all the talk, all the time. Carefully designed to stimulate the mind. This is TalkZone.com, Internet Talk Radio. It's time for Healthy Talk Radio. Healthy Talk Radio with Julian Whitaker, MD, America's wellness doctor, and Deborah Ray, America's first lady of health. Coming to you live from the headquarters of the Global Health Network and across the world wide web. <gasps> Computers can do that? It's America's longest running radio program dedicated to your health and wellness. What's taking place here is an alternative approach. Get in on the phone lines now by calling 1 800 307 3002. Now, here's Dr. Whitaker and Deborah Ray. Good day. Welcome to Healthy Talk Radio. I'm Deborah Ray. Well, it's 13 states this year. Legislative proposals aimed at limiting financial relationships between doctors and drug makers. The American Medical Association discussing that hot topic today. Well, I'm sorry. It's early in the week. It is early. We have a special guest today. It's not America's Wellness Doctor. It's the author of Allison, the Heart of Garlic. He heads the Garlic Center in Sussex, England. Dr. Peter Josling invited to join us to talk about bad bugs today. We now know staph germs undermine your body's defenses. What does that mean? What can you do about it? We'll talk about it. Invite you to join us at 800-307-3002 right here on Healthy Talk Radio. Now the news and views about the news you won't hear anywhere else. The Healthy Talk Radio News Digest. Traditional Chinese medicine, again, put to the scientific test. This is interesting. All published in the Journal of Natural Products, they took a look at a traditional Chinese medicine that is known as dragon's blood. Um, dragon's blood are, are the dark red resonance substance that are derived from various plants that have been long used in traditional Chinese medicine to treat wounds or to treat ulcers. So, the researchers uh, went into the field, reaped, dried, and pulverized stems from two dragon's blood plants to brew their own extract of dragon's blood. What they found in the clinical laboratory (laughs) was just intriguing. They discovered eight new flavonoids, never before described in the scientific literature, found in this traditional Chinese medical plant known as a dragon's blood, and 14 known compounds in this plant extract. They then pitted the dragon's blood plant extract against um, uh, ulcer-causing H. pylori and against thrombin, which is a blood clotting agent. What they found is that these compounds were able to counter H. pylori just as we now use antibiotics, but of course with plants, no antibiotic resistance in the fight against H. pylori, known to cause the vast majority of gastric, duodenal, um, and uh, and, uh, uh, ulcers of our small intestine. They also found that eight of these newly discovered flavonoids in the traditional Chinese medicine plan of dragon's blood showed moderate anti-clotting properties. So just when you think 
you know, it's like, oh, they've discovered all they're going to discover. You know, we know all the plants, all the remedies. A traditional Chinese medicine green ingredient has turned up uh, eight brand new flavonoids and its ability to fight ulcer-causing bacteria and blood clots in laboratory tests. It's an intriguing article that appears in the health section of this week's L.A. Times focusing on living for two. That mounting scientific evidence suggests that unborn babies are surprisingly susceptible to outside influences. Influences like food. Yes, a mother's nutrition or lack thereof certainly affects her baby's health. Environmental chemicals, pollutants, infections, even stress. We are now find, finding a phenomenon known as fetal programming that babies are born not just with genetic traits, but certain health patterns, for example, with a tendency to develop um, asthma or diabetes or heart disease based upon what their mothers ate or didn't eat and what their mothers were exposed to during pregnancy. In fact, some of the recent research has been eye-opening with um, the revelation that uh, mothers-to-be who consume more supplements of omega-3 fatty acids, EPA, were much more likely to have babies with higher IQs, good language comprehension, and good hand-eye coordination. And then there's the British study that was recently published that um, women who ate lots of apples during pregnancy had children who had less asthma in life compared to mothers who did not consume a number of apples during pregnancy. So it's this unfolding revelation. One, you have to be concerned before you're told you're pregnant. Two, it takes both partners, oh yes, factors that affect both male and female health, affect the the health of that unborn child. And then the mounting scientific evidence that our unborn children are surprisingly susceptible to outside influences. And with the recent revelation that mothers-to-be exposed to pesticides, and that may be agricultural areas in the, in the vicinity, are much more likely to have children who are artistic, that food, environmental chemicals, pollutants, infections, and even stress lead to that mounting scientific evidence to suggest that unborn children are surprisingly susceptible to those influences. Well, it's a very interesting Canadian research published in the American Journal of Epidemiology. They found that compared with the general population, men who had been exposed to lead on the job had a 300% higher risk of developing stomach cancer. From where do we find that lead? Well, for example, if you're in the welding industry, um, some construction work uh, that includes welding leads to exposure to uh, lead. If you are exposed to lead-acid batteries or the production of those batteries, you're exposed to lead. Um, of course, leaded gasoline. Uh, if you were exposed to, to leaded gasoline before these lead additives were phased out, you're much more likely to have lead exposure. That uh, lead has been linked to higher blood pressure as well as damage to the kidneys, brains, and nerves, but we have not had a clear 
understanding of the relationship between lead exposure to cancer until now. So while in the past it has been classified as a probable carcinogen, that may change with the information based upon nearly 4,000 Canadian men diagnosed with cancer, taking a look at their uh, occupational exposure to lead, indicating that men exposed to lead in their occupations had a 300% higher risk of developing stomach cancer. And, of course, the take-home message for all of those heavy metals is just don't say, not me. You know, the World Health Organization says there's nothing living on the planet that does not have some degree of exposure to mercury. And, for example, if you take a little bit of mercury and a little bit of lead, which by themselves might not be detrimental, together the effects can synergize each other to the threshold of being potentially detrimental. We now link lead exposure to high blood pressure, to problems uh, with, with the brain, uh, as well as uh, nerves and kidney problems, uh, mercury linked to heart attacks. So there are many ways to be screened. You can do it using a, a tissue mineral analysis. That's where a, a physician or a laboratory can take a sample of your fingernails or toenails, uh, hair, close to the to the roots, like, the, for example, the nape of the neck. Um, there are various uh, tests that screen for heavy metal excretion from either stool or urine, or you can undergo a challenge test. In other words, uh, your physician may administer you, usually uh, via IV, a chelating agent, then uh, you collect, for example, a 12-hour urine specimen, and a laboratory will analyze what that chelating agent was able to draw from your tissues to give you and your practitioner a better idea of what heavy metals you are storing in your tissues. Because if you take a look at the studies that indicate, oh, blood mercury, blood lead, no, no. The body clears most of heavy metals after you're exposed from the bloodstream in about 24 hours. So if it's not in the blood, doesn't mean that it's not there, just that the body has moved it into the tissues. So with this new Canadian research indicating that on-the-job lead exposure tied to stomach cancer... Perhaps you may be want you may want to be screened on a regular basis. These heavy metals can be removed, and it may benefit your health. Dr. Peter Josing from the Garlic Center joining us today at the Bonnie Hour to talk bad bugs. We'll invite you to join us at one eight hundred three zero seven three zero zero two. We'll return to talk about how much omega three fat right here on Healthy Talk Radio. Feeding America no-nonsense health and lifestyle information and using the same recipe for 25 years. Time for more Healthy Talk Radio with Deborah Ray. Well, if you've heard the media focus on staph germ undermines your body's defenses, uh, we'll set you straight this morning with uh, Dr. Peter Jossing, who is a well-known research scientist, educator, and author in the whole arena um, of plant-based chemicals that can be of great benefit uh, to us. We'll talk about some of the research going on at the Garlic uh, Center in Sussex, uh, England, r- relating to those bad bugs. Before we do that, um, 
Today's USA Today has a great focus on what we are now finding on our store shelves. Mainstream. Yes, uh, good fats have gone mainstream. The essential fatty acids of EPA, short for cosoceptopentanoic acid, DHA, docosohexanoic acid, ALA, alpha-linolenic acid, are now being picked up upon by the major food manufacturers because they know you and I are key. <laughs> it took the American Heart Association's four decades, didn't take us that long, because starting in about 1980, in the popular consumer media, came the slow but evolving revelation that not all fats are BAD. We need FAAT for good health, but there is a difference between good fats and bad fats. The good fats, um, and of course they're uh, bad fats of the trans fats and hydrogenated fat variety are much different than those that are essential. In other words, our body doesn't make them. They, it needs it from our diet of the omega-3, 6, and 9 variety. Because 90% of, of American consumers are fatty acid deficient in the omega-3 fatty acids, we find a lot of focus these days on just the omega-3 because we could use a lot more than we're currently getting to be able to uh, establish that essential balance of omega-3. Those are primarily the cold water fish variety. To the omega-6, those are primarily the plant-based variety. To the omega-9, those are the primarily the, poly, the, the monounsaturated that we find from sources like olive oil. The key is balance. While we might focus on how much EPA and DHA, omega-3 essential fatty acids, we uh, uh, consume on a regular basis, the key is balancing omega-3 to omega-6 fatty acids. In balance, puts us at a much higher risk of major depression, inflammatory conditions, um, gee, heart problems, uh, problems with clots and, and platelets that lead us to a higher risk of heart attacks and strokes and, and even sudden death, uh, certainly put us at a higher risk of not having a proper hormonal balance. So you will now see uh, bottles of mayonnaise that say, this product is naturally rich in omega-3 ALA. Well, that's true. Most mayonnaise is made with soybean oil, which is a source of the alpha-linolenic acid, but that kind of uh, omega-3 fat that is found most abundantly in flaxseed has not been proven to convey the same health benefits as DHA plus EPA. If you're eating carefully, your body can convert that alpha-linolenic acid from flax or um, a soy. But because we are so fatty acid deficient, it's key to, one, supplement wisely. Two, keep in mind what we're reading on the grocery store shelves now because now we're finding omega-3 eggs and omega-3 yogurt. Well, let's take a look at one of those eggs. Omega-3 egg will give you 150 milligrams a day of DHA and EPA. That's a good thing, but that's far short of what is optimal. 
which is probably closer to a thousand milligrams a day. If you're a heart patient, uh, 2,400 milligrams a day. For example, one cup of uh, organic um, essential fatty acid fortified milk gives you only 30 milligrams of EPA DHA. Again, not to say it's a bad product, but it's not the richest source of EPA and DHA. We find that from uh, wild salmon, uh, from uh, swordfish, and of course swordfish you have to be uh, concerned in terms of uh, its mercury content, um, uh, sardines, other cold water fish, In fact, um, it's probably a good idea, and there's great book sources. I know 10 Years Younger, or you can go to 10yearsyounger.net and get a list of the food sources that are most rich in these good fats and lists of the fish that are low mercury so that when you place an order or buy in a grocery store or a health food store to, to cook at home, you're making an informed decision about how much Omega-3 fatty acids in your diet is ideal on a daily basis. Well, it appears in this week's Vitamin uh, uh, New England Journal of Medicine, all about vitamin D deficiency, that we have a revelation that 80% of the European population is vitamin D deficient. Um, we're not far behind in, in this country. And that uh, Dr. Michael Hollick, who heads the vitamin D research lab at Boston University, who wrote a great book, The UV Advantage, must read for you and me as healthcare consumers to understand how vitamin D is all too deficient in this country, is essential for immune system health, um, anti-inflammation, helping us to live longer, um, helping people in chronic pain, uh, helping bone health, uh, helping to reduce the risk of flu, of seasonal affective disorder, that if your blood level, and it is measured by a blood test, 25-hydroxyvitamin D, should be 32 or higher, but that um, with our recommended daily intake of vitamin D all too low, Dr. Hollick and his colleagues are now suggesting that we change the recommendation for vitamin D on a daily basis to a minimum of 800 when he also suggests that um, up to 4,000 international units of vitamin D per day is safe. Of course, in medical situations, we find, uh, Dr. Whitaker has mentioned that he uses uh, in his patient population where there is vitamin D deficiency, um, amounts up to 50,000 international units of vitamin D per week from a compounding pharmacy source. We've talked with Dr. Norton Fishman from Rockville, Maryland, who regularly uh, puts patients who are severely vitamin D deficient and have major seasonal affective disorder, that depression often linked to low levels of light in the wintertime on 100,000 international units of vitamin D per month. So it's always important to know where you stand, work with somebody knowledgeable. But what we find in this country, one, that uh, we see all too many people who don't have uh, optimal levels of vitamin D, 
um, who think that the, you know, from their multiple vitamin mineral, they're getting sufficient levels. We were talking with somebody yesterday who said, oh, no, I, I take a calcium with vitamin D, but on closer scrutiny, you're only getting a couple hundred international units of, uh, of vitamin D daily. In fact, if you take a look, um, what was recently appearing in the medical literature, that in a uh, suburb of sunny uh, South Florida, taking a look at uh, men and women, that um, 65% of women surveyed were vitamin D deficient. 66% of men were vitamin D deficient. That perhaps all of us could focus a little bit more on vitamin D for optimal health. We're going to return to talk about those bad bugs, staph germs undermining our body's defenses. Peter Jossling, who is a noted research scientist, author of Allison, the Heart of Garlic, joins us today to talk about what are those bad bugs, where do we find them, what do they do to our body's defenses, and more importantly, what can we do to make a positive difference from a natural standpoint. We invite you to join us at 800-307-3002, right here on Healthy Talk Radio. The information on Healthy Talk Radio may be eye-opening, controversial, and disturbing to some, but it is all well-documented and presented by credentialed guests as well as our knowledgeable host. It may not represent the views of this network, this radio station, or its sponsors, but it might just be good for your health. You're listening to Healthy Talk Radio. I'm Deborah Ray. Uh, with much of the media focus these days on bad bugs. In fact, if we take a look at uh, all those popular tunes that, that speak of being bad to the bone, we have the revelation that there are many bad bugs uh, among us, a, a disturbing number of, uh, gosh, over 90,000 people in the U.S. falling ill each year from some, from some very bad bugs. And now the revelation that these bad bugs uh, can be so detrimental, in fact, uh, causing our special immune uh, infection-fighting cells to actually explode. So I know of no better person to uh, talk with about bad bugs than the director of the Garlic Center, Sussex, England-based. He's the author of Allison, the Heart of Garlic, a, a well-known research scientist in the area of using uh, natural plant-based chemicals for beneficial uh, uh, outcomes. He's Dr. Peter Josling, who joins us today. Peter, hello and welcome. Deborah, hi. Thank you very much for inviting me on again. So with this latest research uh, indicating you know, just how detrimental those bad bugs are to our immune system, this is sobering stuff when we're talking about our infection-fighting cells actually exploding uh, by these bacteria production of, of certain peptides. Peter, tell us more. Absolutely. It's quite an interesting piece of research work, really. It shows that um, this particularly this community-acquired Mercer infection uh, which is MRSA, methicillin resistant Staph aureus. It's a bacteria called Staph. Most people know what a Staph infection is. So this particular bug is community acquired. So normally we would expect this bug to be found in hospitals, but this particular strain is found in communities around America and Europe. So it's a, it's a nasty bug, and some very novel research has shown that it actually has a very different way of... Uh, disabling our immune system, if you like. It basically blows up our blood neutrophils so that we can't actually produce 
the, uh, the materials that our immune system needs to be able to knock out these invasive organisms. So really, you know, this all adds uh, grist to the mill, is the expression we would use here in the UK, <laughs> right. uh, as to having an agent that can actually kill these bugs before they have the chance to disable your immunity to infection. And that is, of course, something, as you know, we've been involved with for the last five or six years. So um, it's a very interesting piece of research. And the more we learn about these uh, nasty infections, the more we realize how very important it is to use an agent that can actually kill them as quickly as possible. So uh, fill us in, uh, Peter, because you know what, what killed the you know the proverbial golden goose. You know what led to first hospital-based, and now we're talking about uh, community-associated uh, bad bugs, methicillin-resistant Staph aureus plays. Well, basically, you have to understand what Staph aureus is like as a bacteria. It's one of the cleverest bacteria known to man, because. Um, uh, apparently one in three people around the world actually carries this bug up inside their nasal cavities. So it's a very common bacteria, and our bodies normally live with it quite happily. You know, um, there's not really a problem if you've got a staph inside your nose. It's not going to do you any harm. The problem comes in, in, in normally if you go into a situation where you go into a hospital and the bug can find some way of getting into the human body. And that traditionally has always been the way that staph infection has become prevalent and started to infect wounds and catheter lines and uh, intravenous lines and this sort of thing. So we've, we've for many years seen staph aureus become MRSA, which is methicillin-resistant or drug-resistant. But what's different is in the last few years, we've seen this staph aureus infection suddenly uh, become very prevalent in ordinary communities. And by that, you'll be aware that a few weeks ago in America, there were quite a few cases in Virginia and uh, I believe in Baltimore and one or two other uh, major areas in the States where this particular bug, this community-acquired MRSA infection, was found in sports colleges and uh, universities and amongst young people in particular. So it's a nasty bug, and once it gets into your bloodstream, unfortunately, it has this ability to become completely resistant to pharmaceutical antibiotics. And, of course, that means that if you don't have a, quote, conventional treatment, unquote, then what on earth are you to do? Because most doctors still don't really believe that anything that's safe and natural can possibly have any beneficial effect to the human body but of course what we've done our research group uh, in particular over the last four or five years is we've shown quite clearly that stabilized allicin from fresh garlic uh, such as you find in products like Ali Max and Ali Med in the state these products can absolutely kill both MRSA hospital acquired and MRSA community acquired infection very, very, very easily. So, you know, at last we have a safe, natural alternative treatment that can kill out one of these uh, most pervasive and infectious bacterial species known to man in the 21st century. Well, knowing that many of us, uh, you know, have heard of those traditional medical uh, uh, 
uh, I won't say stories because they're certainly much more than stories, but ethnic um, uh, cultures that, that talked about, you know, nature's antibiotic, the, the use of garlic. You know, what prevented that? Uh, uh, you know, for, for example, from making extracts and, and using that in a therapeutic fashion until now, Peter. That's, that's a very good question. The, the answer to that is not that simple, but uh, in a nutshell, people have been trying to remove allicin from fresh garlic for well over 150 years and no one has been able to actually remove the allicin from a garlic clove or bulb and stabilize it. It's, it's a very, very unstable chemical because it's only actually utilized by garlic now and again when the garlic gets attacked. But what we managed to do about seven years ago now in the US, sorry, in the UK, was we managed to um, use a little bit of clever chemistry a little bit of clever temperature and pressure control, and we managed to stabilize this allicin material uh, to such a degree that we could produce both a liquid, a powder, and a cream formulation, and that means that we could then go on and test it to show whether it could kill bugs at all, um, and if it could, what sort of bugs could it therefore get rid of. Now, no other garlic product or supplement or extract has ever been able to do that before. Although um, researchers like myself have been able to partially stabilize the allicin in the past, we haven't been able to make it on a commercial scale. So in other words, we haven't been able to get it out to a, a much wider public. That now has completely changed with the advent of products like Alimax and uh, Alimed, and that means that we can now produce in significant volumes stabilized allicin and we can test every single batch of the, the material that's made and show quite quite categorically that it does kill this very nasty Mercer infection. Now, now the secret obviously is then to work out how much you need to use, how often you need to use it for and as we've discussed on your program in the past, recently in fact, um, you know some patients can get results very very quickly and some patients need to persevere for a good while longer. But the important thing to understand is that so far, we haven't found a single strain of MRSA bacteria, whether it be community-acquired or hospital-acquired, we haven't found a single strain that isn't killed by allicin. So, you know, there are one or two very, very nasty MRSA strains which cannot be killed even by the most potent pungent, toxic pharmaceutical drug known to man, which is called vancomycin, and yet this strain, it's called Giza by the way, is actually very, very easily killed by allicin. So for the first time, Deborah, really we have a very safe natural component from fresh garlic that definitely kills out this particular nasty infectious organism. So if we take a look at, um, and you've mentioned previously, uh, Peter, that you know hospitals um, in Great Britain, hospitals in, in this country are, are adding the Alimed products to their formulary. What, what do you hear back from, from the consuming public, from consumers in terms of, of personal case histories uh, with stabilized Allison, with the Alimax products, uh, please, Peter? Well, to be honest, Deborah, we probably don't have long enough to go into any great detail because we've had so many case histories, successful case reports on using a, a combination usually of capsules, liquid and cream 
to heal wounds that were previously unhealable. I mean, we have probably in the UK alone upwards of 50 to 60 patients who were sent home from their hospital um, basically told there is nothing more we can do for you. I'm sorry, but we can't heal your wound. It has an infection. Uh, there's nothing we can do. We've taken these patients on, we've treated them, and we've cured them. And I think probably the one case that I will, I will give you in, in a little bit more detail was a young 14-year-old girl who was actually living in Canada, and she was, uh, uh, had a very brittle bone, so she had two operations on her spine to put in a couple of pins uh, to keep the spine straight. And unfortunately, the wounds refused to heal for about 18 months. And she was sent home. And now, can you imagine what it must be like being 14 years old, 14 years old, and trying to live with with two open wounds on your back? You know, school must be a nightmare. Um, mixing with your friends can't be much fun because you certainly can't go swimming or or indulge in any of the regular sports that young people love to love to take part in. And and fortunately, this girl's father read about some of our work. He took the product called Alimax and he, he gave it to his daughter and she took 10 capsules a day okay. for two weeks. And I'm not kidding, two weeks later, she was cured. Those wounds had healed. Really? We actually took a swab before she started treatment and proved in the laboratory that she had an MRSA infection. We re-swabbed her after the treatment with Alimax only and we proved that the MRSA infection had disappeared, gone, finished, kaput. So that was a fantastic story, and we've got dozens and dozens and dozens of case histories like that from all across the world now, actually. So this is not um, mumbo-jumbo or um, uh, jungle medicine. This is real, genuine, hard evidence to show that Alimax and Alimed, which is the professional formulation, can definitely heal and cure resistant infectious uh, bacterial uh, problems. And I marveled, Peter, I'm sure you heard the story as well from uh, from Jim Walton, who uh, heads the U.S. division of Alimax, um, when he attended a, a major trade show in complementary and alternative medicine that uh, any number of, of hospitals stopped and asked, because uh, you think in terms of just surely public health as well as you know affecting their financial bottom line they must have an interest as well peter they certainly should do deborah and certainly in the uk we have a number of nhs hospitals who routinely do purchase stabilized allison products like alimax from uh, the manufacturing company here in the uk deliberately because they know that these products work and um you know some years ago that would have been impossible because of all the red tape uh, around hospital um, uh, sourcing of products. Fortunately, that has all disappeared now because they are classed as businesses, and as businesses, it's their job to get people healthy, and therefore they will use pretty much anything that they feel has a pedigree and has evidence to show that it works, and that is exactly where we are with Stabilized Allison. We have the knowledge, we have the evidence base, and we have the successful case histories to prove that these products actually do help people. So, you know, you know how to, to, to put this? You, you talked about, you know, this young girl's use of, of uh, the Alimax, the Alimed, uh, in, in a capsule form. I was just recently talking with um, 
uh, oh gosh, a dear friend, my age, just uh, diagnosed with advanced ovarian and, and uh, colon cancer. She's concerned about, um, you know, her, her diminished immune response, and she's actually devising a way to, to atomize the liquid <laughs> based upon some British studies uh, that they were able to diminish uh, the risk of MRSA bacteria with atomizing uh, certain natural compounds in hospitals there. I mean, are there topical spray liquid? Um, uh, there are. That's yeah. right, Deborah. I mean, there, there is a capsule formula, a cream, and a liquid formulation. So, the liquid and the cream can obviously be used topically to heal wounds. The liquid can also be sprayed into the mouth internally, quite happily. Uh, some formulas have mint added to them. Some don't, but they're very, very good at being absorbed into the bloodstream. And of course, that's what's important because you've got to get the allicin in, into the bloodstream to kill out the invasive organism because it penetrates the bloodstream, it lives around the body, and you've got to cleanse the whole body of this particular infection. Otherwise, it will find a route out because MRSA is one of these bugs that releases a very toxic uh, substance, uh, you know, which, which you, you, know, you have to get rid of. So if Peter, you've got a weak thought. point... That's what happens, by the way, with community-acquired infection. Hold that thought, Peter. We'll be back with more of Dr. Peter Josling talking about bad bugs right here on Healthy Talk Radio. If you think macrobiotic is a computer virus, you need Healthy Talk Radio. Dr. Peter Josling joining us today. He heads the Sussex, England-based Garlic Center. He's a well-known research scientist in the arena of plant-based chemicals. We invited him today to talk about the unfolding information that bad bugs are really <laughs> bad for our blood. Uh, they actually contain peptides that can cause uh, infection-fighting cells to explode. And we were talking about... Um, um, you know, stabilizing this naturally occurring uh, compound uh, from nature. Of course, the science, uh, the case histories to back it up, the cream, the liquid, uh, the capsules. But knowing that we're, we're hearing more about, you know, good bacteria, probiotics, could you actually use it in conjunction with probiotics, Peter? Oh, definitely, Deborah. Yeah, they, in fact, the company in the U.S. actually has a combination product, which is Allison and probiotics together. Uh, and also includes a digestive enzyme, the product's called Pre-Pro. And to be honest, it's, it's a very successful product. It's great for anybody who has uh, any form of digestive concern. So that might be irritable bowel, or it might be somebody who is, uh, you know, a little bit loose, or somebody who's the other way, a little bit constipated, for example. And this particular product works extremely well in restoring the natural balance to your digestive flora. Uh, as I'm sure your listeners will appreciate, it's very, very important to keep your stomach and your digestive system uh, in tune because that's what absorbs all the vitamins and minerals and nutrients from the food that you eat. So PrePro is very, very good at restoring that natural balance. The allicin kills out the bad bugs, and the probiotics, of course, uh, supplement the friendly species that you already have in your digestive system. So uh, allicin is very good at being combined with other uh, natural healthy agents as well and we've uh, we've seen a lot of research done on that in the last four or five years as well well with the evidence uh, you know there's, there's science to back up stabilize allison alimax with colds and flu it would seem to be to to be your probiotic of choice during uh, the the cold and flu season peter oh most definitely i mean i think that's one of the nice things uh, that where we are now is that we do have a lot of research to show that 
Ali Max is a great anti-infective agent. Prepro is a fantastic digestive agent. And of course, we're also now working on anti-cholesterol combinations uh, and all sorts of other things. So, you know, hopefully there'll be a long, long line of Allison-based formulations that will genuinely, genuinely help people around the world. Well, it's always a privilege and pleasure to, to learn more with uh, the bad bugs taking the lead uh, uh, headlines out there, Peter. We appreciate the information. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Deborah. Thank you very much. Dr. Peter Josling joining us today. If you want to find out more about the book, the research, um, uh, find out about uh, uh, products, Allimax, A-L-L-I-M-A-X dot U-S. If you're not on the web, 1-800-827-7655. So thanks to Dr. Peter Jossing. Our thanks to you if you missed anything. HealthyTalkRadio.com. I'm Deborah Ray reminding you, live long, stay healthy.